everybody. Welcome to the Patty G Show. I am your host, Patty G. We are here with Hallie and Glenn of In-House Media. We're going to talk movie production. We're going to talk how do you actually draft a script, maybe even, or where do you go from a blank canvas to a finished product. And we're going to learn the ins and the outs of the movie industry and also some really cool things that they're doing right here in Louisiana. And they've got their premieres happening all over the place. But before we get to that, I want to give a big, wonderful shout-out to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible each and every week. We've got Government Taco, Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, Belaya Real Estate, Lake Men's Health Center, Horizon Financial Group, and Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge. And without further ado, welcome Hallie and Glenn to the show. Thank you all so much for coming on. Thank Thanks you for, for inviting us. us. Yeah. I'm excited to learn a lot more about The Last Champion, a film that you all have produced and written and done everything for. Right. But more importantly, who are you and what do you do? Uh, Hallie. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm Hallie Todd, and um, I uh, spent most of my life uh, as an actress. I mean, most of my adult life as an actress. And uh, I think people who who might know me know me probably because I played Hilary Duff's mother on Lizzie McGuire in the Lizzie McGuire movie. And, um, but I've done a bunch of other random things too, but, um, about, uh, I don't know how many years ago when, uh, that I sort of started to write and produce as well, but he has, you have a different path. About seven years ago. Yeah. 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 So, uh, what was the question? Who, Who are, are you and what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we're both, you know, we're all filmmakers now. We, we, we met. You know, I was an actor, did a lot of stuff with Francis Coppola, did a lot of his films, starting with The Outsiders, Rumblefish, Cotton Club, Peggy Sue Got Married, um, and worked. You know, I was in Hollywood, went there when I was in my 20s, and when I worked with Francis, I, I loved how he worked with his family, and I said, that's what I want to do one day. So at my late 30s, I stopped acting, got my pension, and Started, we built a studio in, in uh, Los Angeles, and it was photography and sort of a post-production facility. And we said, let's, let's make films. And we went about writing, and Hallie was teaching, had a lot of really wonderful young actors. So we wrote it for those actors, and you know, it was picked up by Lionsgate. Our first film was picked up by Lionsgate. And it was my daughter's idea to say, hey, why don't we write for all these? I had to kill a lot of girls, teenage <laughs> girls, in that movie. But I had to do it, you know, it was a very classy how we killed them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we killed them nonetheless, nine girls. And um, so that was fun. And then we said, let's, let's not do that, that again right now. Let's do something a little more wholesome and entertaining and pull at the heartstrings a little bit. And that's how we came up with The Last Champion. And we met doing a play together. Okay. So we sort of fell in love during that process. Were you all like the main... Were you all the leads? It was an and ensemble. Like within the part, like you just oh, organically yeah. Oh, yeah. fell in love? Yeah. We were, we were playing yeah. um, two people that had been a couple, but they were um, not together anymore. But they had been childhood sweethearts. So when, and he comes back into town and there's a whole lot of drama, but um, we felt like we needed to go out to get coffee her backstory. To discuss our backstory as the characters. And because they had such a long history together since childhood, it took a lot of going out together and 
discussing the So basically <laughs> the we were crushing and, on each so other. So we were crushing on each so other. So we just we used it. Yeah. So they were giving <laughs> you this this big long backstory about y'all are been in love for forever and you've got all this relationship history and connections and then you decided let's just make this real. Let's just and let's live happen. out what we're yeah. acting. But it was really funny because Hallie did the play with another guy originally and I was doing a series The Dirty Dozen. I had to go for to Yugoslavia, and I wanted yeah, to do it. Did Jamie Baker, the playwright um, uh, director, wanted him, but he wasn't available, so he, he sorry, no. you were telling a story. <laughs> no, and uh, so when I came back, they launched it again. But Hallie didn't like. Well, I don't don't say that he's a friend of mine. Don't I wouldn't say, say that. that. No, no, I didn't say who the actor. Yeah, but if he watches it, he'll know who he is. No, well, you, I, she couldn't fall in love with him, but there you go. My character, she fell in love with. On screen, oh the chemistry gosh, was great, but yeah. the off-screen chemistry wasn't happening. You filled it, Glenn. I did. Yes, <laughs> well, that's what I do. I was supposed. I fill to, in the blanks. I was supposed to be married to this guy who was an abuser, and he was like my ex, my old flame. And so when we did it the first time, I was kind of crushing on the guy who was playing the abuser. So I kind of angled the performance like, I wish we could just be right, you know, and it could all go well with us. I mean, internally, right? And then, mm -hmm. um, and that I was sort of toying with the ex-flame. But so when he came on board, I kind of switched my focus. It's so unprofessional. I can't even. Uh, it's so bad. Yeah. But I mean, it's lasted for quite some time. <laughs> so obviously it was the right decision. It was. It was. How so, many years, darling? I don't know, Glenn. How many Step years? That one. Let's see. 28. No comment. Moving on from that. Think about that a little longer. No, I can't. <laughs> Sorry, I even brought it we've, up. We've been together 35 years. Oh, 30, 35 years. 35, yeah. we've been together. We've been married for 31 and a half years. All right, 32. Okay. But she's not counting. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. So how did y'all originally get into acting? Because I'm always curious about that story of going from, I guess, I mean, do you wake up one day and say, I want to get on behind a screen? Or what are the I situations did. that kind of led up to becoming an actor or actress for you each? Well, I was, for me, I grew up in Kentucky. So I, uh, I was going to college there. And um, I, first semester, I just wasn't, I don't think this is what I want to do. And so, but I didn't make really any other choices. What am I going to do at 8, 19, 20 years old or whatever it was? So I was working for the highway department with the, uh, the uh, surveyor guys. And I was going to work one day. And it was, you know, part-time summer kind of summer jobs. And I was going to work. And I said, I think I'd like to be an actor. And I went in that day and quit the job. And with like 500 bucks in my pocket, shot off to Hollywood. Basically, that's a, that's so, a bold. That's a bold move. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it worked out. I got there, and I have no idea why. <laughs> you know that. So we come at it from different schools. I'm more of like street kind of doing it that way. Hallie was uh, a little bit of royalty, Hollywood royalty, a bit, right? I no, not Hollywood. Well, okay. Yeah. If you want, yes, I was. No, um, I. Yeah, I'll just <laughs> let him carry on that narrative. Um, I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and my family was in the industry, not like, you know, um, just working people. My father was a writer, producer in television, and my mother was a character actress. And 
um, it, I just always was going to be an actress. I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like a decision was made. It was like I just, you know, I was exposed to it. I, I wanted it, and I had my parents' support because I think they knew that I was supposed to do it, you know, and they weren't going to, you know, they knew it was a hard road, but they also knew that I wasn't going to take no for an answer. So I, you know, I, I think I dabbled in it for a minute as a, as a teenager professionally, but it wasn't a good, it wasn't a, a good thing for me to be distracted while I was in school. I didn't have that kind of discipline to, you know, do well in school and be on a show. So as soon as I did a show, then as soon as it was over, my mother pulled me from going on auditions and finished my schooling. And I went and studied. And, and then when I got out of acting school, I just started and, you know, got pretty lucky early on. I got a film that, um, uh, starred Anne Margaret and, um, it was her first movie for television called who will love my children. And I had a nice role in that. And then I got, uh, a series, a comedy series called Brothers that was for early days of Showtime. And it was it was one of the first original, you know, Showtime used to just show movies, but it was one of the first original programs that Showtime produced, like Gary Shandling Show and Brothers and another show called Not Necessarily the News. We were like the only three original shows. And it was um, kind of a groundbreaking um, sitcom because the... Um, it was the first time a central character, a uh, regular character on the show, was gay. And that had just never been done. I mean, it had been done like in a movie of the week and sort of a special episode of something, but never as a series regular. And so it got a lot of attention, but it was right before the AIDS ep epidemic. And it sort of like put a clamp on the humor about living that life freely. So they t changed it up real fast. But initially it was like this very special critically acclaimed program and it went for five years. So that was an incredible learning opportunity for me. It was a huge education uh, to uh, work with these wonderful actors and go to work every day. And it was, it was like going to, you know, graduate school. It was really incredible. And that was kind of launched me. And then I would just do stuff after that was finished. I did go back to college, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Studied film. So it almost sounds like for you, Hallie, it was like the family business thing to do. It was, yeah. You know, it's like it was, you know, we've had family business entrepreneurs on here before, and they talk about growing up and sitting at the table, and they just immediately feel drawn to that type of lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know, going into the family business. But Benny's Car Wash is a prime example. Oh, yeah? They were growing up and talking shop at the dinner table with his parents, and he just was like, well, this is naturally going to be the path I'm going to go down. Like, there's no other way. So it seemed like the same for you. But with you, Glenn, it was kind of like an entirely different spin. I mean, how did your parents take that you were just up and then leaving, going off to L.A.? Uh, they didn't really understand it at all. Uh, they couldn't relate to it whatsoever. And that's where it stayed, right? I mean, they never, they never really they just didn't understand it. So the support system really wasn't there because they didn't really know how to talk right. about it. You know what I mean? They just saw the struggle when you're out there and you're trying to do it, the struggle that you have to go through. So, um, you know, calling home and going, you know, I could really use maybe 50 bucks this month. They just couldn't understand it. So, but it paid off at the end. They, they got it. Um, 
and they passed away, I would love to have seen them um, or watched them watch the movie. You know, I think they would have enjoyed it. Yeah, and I think that for <clears throat> families that may not have entrepreneurs in the household originally, when the children decide to go and do an entirely different path, it is hard to have that connection and to have those conversations of, I don't know what you're getting, but I don't understand what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish, but I'm happy or supportive of what you're doing. It's tough as a parent because, again, it's no idea what that road's going to lead down. Yeah, what's it mean? Um, well, my father was a, a big entrepreneur. I mean, he had his own photography business, so he would, and, and he worked on the railroad at night. So he would get in at, at 10 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning from the railroad working all night, sleep four hours, go and do a photography business where he had all the hospitals and the baby photographs. So he'd be out there hustling the photographs, come back. My mom would be putting them together and he'd run them back over and because you develop it fast and run it back over to the parents. And so that's all he knew, man, was working. Um, you know, and he was a, a war, you know, he was in the uh, Second World War. He was a, a hero or Silver Star guy at Iwo Jima. And, um, but he, he just, he, but he still couldn't relate. He related to the photography. Cause when I got out there, I said, Hey dad, send me out some of your cameras. Cause I could, you know, I could take headshots and that's how I survived. I mean, I was, okay. I didn't have to do a lot of other stuff. I did, you know, I did photography and it was great. You know, I didn't have to work for anybody. I could do that and still pursue what I needed to pursue on my own time. So, so for those wanting to maybe dabble in the art or get into acting, what was some lessons that y'all had like originally taken going into it that y'all wish y'all would have known at the time? Ah, hmm. Stay in school. <laughs> because I think you have, um, I was so, I had such tunnel vision and I, I didn't, I didn't really open up my mind to as much as I might have if I hadn't been so focused. And so um, it, it gets a little, I don't know, I think you bring so much more to your art if you know about other things, you know? And so that was a real thrill for me going back to school later when it wasn't just about theater and acting yeah. and studying, we both you know? Did that. Yeah, both things that I back to school. Yeah, yeah. Wait, I mean, I'm still going back to school. I'm well, still thing, hammering away at that. And the thing degree. is, is that you know, when you're working, you're a working actor. You know, you're in a semester, and all of a sudden you get this job, and it's going to last four weeks, a month. You're on a show. You got to drop out of school. I think I have probably 150 W's <laughs> to my name, and I had to go back and retake those, and you know do well in that class, but it was, you know, it was something we always wanted. Yeah. And we really encouraged Ivy to, you know, really focus on school. And, you know, she's a lawyer. She went to law school here at LSU. Okay. So she really stayed the path and she wanted to produce like Hallie's father because he really sort of discovered Steven Spielberg in a film called Duel. And I think we may have spoken about that. Possibly. It was a truck following this guy. It was like Shark. It was, Steve, it, it was his first long-form uh, movie. Okay. That, uh, so she wants to, she's following that path, produce, write, and, and do that. So what made y'all want to get out of acting and go down that path? 
I haven't gotten out of acting. I mean, technically, yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I'm in The Last Champion and um, and I'll, I'll be in whatever we're doing. And I, I've been so focused on this that I haven't really I'm, I'm not a hustler. I just don't have that chip in me. So um, so I it's it's like a huge muscle that is not something I am is not toned as far as like the hustle muscle. <laughs> but um. So when I get sucked into like, oh, we're working on this or we're working on writing or something, I don't have that uh, that skill of keeping that alive and keeping that alive. It's like I'm just all in, you know. But if I were not doing that, I would be probably more aggressive pursuing acting outside of our company stuff. But it's really cool to do our stuff because I'm in the editing room and I have a say in the takes that are used and True. the angles that are used. So it's sort of like a, you know, a, a situation that you don't get as an actor when you're a hired hand in somebody else's piece, you know, but, but I love acting. I mean, I'm, I'm never going to not be an actress. I don't think and my I mother, think my mother, I, I no, I mean, she, she was a wonderful actress and she was pretty successful as a character. She was, um, people, a lot of people know her cause she was Millie on the old Dick Van Dyke show. But um, Laura's best friend on the but she was Yetta on the nanny, um, with the big glasses and the smoker's cough and the glitter, um, and uh, she's a meme. But um, she's several memes actually. But uh, yeah, I mean she was a real inspiration. She did a ton of theater um, after she did television, and you know then went back to television, and she just was really active until really. Um, the last show she did was a show for HBO called Getting On with Laurie Metcalf and Nisi Nash and Alex Borstein. And that was an amazing show if you've never seen it. It's just a brilliant show. And um, and then she died. I mean, she worked, worked, worked. She died when she was 87 years old. And I think she only stopped maybe a year before she died. You know what I mean? I, I would love to work until I die. I love it. I mean, yeah, it's carried, an inspiration. Yeah, on that same type of legacy. Work till you're... You know your last breath if possible yeah and that's what's fun about entertainment because you can do that because you can work throughout your career because you're the young guy you know the ingenue and then you're you know the guy in his 30s and then the guy in his 40s and then you're playing you know grandpa and you can stay working and it's with directing it's different directing it's just it it beats you up um i decided to for me to stop acting was not a, you know, I was happy to walk away from it. And, but I did ask Francis, you know, after uh, <clears throat> the outsiders and working with all these guys that went on to become gazillionaires and, you know, went on to great success. I go, what's the deal? How come I'm not getting this break. <laughs> and he said, I think it's going to come later for you in life. And when he said that to me, I said, that's it. I'm going to really pursue directing writing and what i want to do and you know my first script i sold to disney and and i said again i wanted to work with my family and that's what we've done you know i mean it's it's not easy to pull that off right it's not easy man <laughs> you're it's a you have to take the battle and the hill every single day until it's done so what is that process like you said you had your first script that you wrote and you sold that to disney yeah um, kind of walk us through that first experience of writing that first script. 
Well, the very first one, well, that wasn't the first one. That was the one that got some attention. Um, <clears throat> it was a buddy film. They didn't wind up doing it. They, it went into turnaround, it's called. But they put you in a room on that particular one. We, you know, we were at Disney, and they were screening all these films, and I'm going with my writing partner at the time. And we're like, well, are you kidding me? And they're giving you popcorn and putting you in a theater. And we want it to look like this, and we want it to have this and this. So you've got a group of guys, 20 guys, women in the room, you know, giving you notes and doing that. And um, Jeffrey Katzenberg was head of uh, Hollywood Pictures at Disney at the time. And then he loved it. And then, and then he left. And when he left, it just it, it went into the uh, turnaround stage. So that was that. And from then on, it was, let's just do our own stuff. Let's raise our own money and do it that way. Get the, you know, put a group of investors together and uh, do it that way. But it's, it's difficult. It's difficult when we sit down and write, you know, as a family, it can get, it seemed like it was easier the first time we sat down as a family and wrote. I think this time. I, well, I think because one of our team members is now an attorney and is a fully, because we started this, she was yeah. 16, 15 or 16. And so, um, you know, she's, she's another person now with right. a lot more of a voice. Yeah. Yeah, and a very intelligent voice. Yeah, and she's very specific, and so I'm I'm sort of the guy. Let's this this this. Let's get the big picture going. We'll come in and, and do it this way. You know, you guys could come in and, and, but we can't do it together. So Hallie and Ivy now write, and they work. We we work on the story, and they go through a draft, and then I come in and look at it and make changes, and so it, we found a really nice way of working now. I'm out of their hair. Well, because everybody's like, you know, everybody wants to be heard and everybody wants to have their, their idea used. And so it's, it gets a little, you know, but we, we work together. I mean, we have yeah. like, yeah, we get, and we get excited and we, but it, you, everybody's so passionate. You know what I mean? So. Right. Yeah. Everybody wants the storyline to go one way or another. Right. It's hard to kind of keep the same voice. Right. With multiple voices coming Absolutely. in. Right. In a script. Right. But the thing is, is like when we go off and we'll, so we'll figure out like our story and our characters and the, the specifically what happens throughout, you know, we get very dialed into exactly what's happening short of the actual exchanges and um, exact physical activity. And then we usually will split up and take, you know, either randomly divide the scenes up or if somebody says, I got to beat on that, let me run with that first. And then it just goes, that's okay because I don't want to do that one anyway, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll do, the, do our thing and then come back and rework everything. So by the time it's done, the voice is one voice. You know what I mean? It may, you, you wouldn't necessarily be able to tell who wrote what because it's all changed again anyway. But at least to get that first pass out, it's 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 better to work individually, I think, because you're you're not picking over the, you know, no, he wouldn't say that. No, she wouldn't say that. That that can come later. But once you at least get a draft of it going, you know, that's yeah, you me. have to get the draft. You have to get the yeah. story, the main story. And and I find myself saying a lot, you know, why don't you take that? <laughs> Why don't you take that one? <laughs> Divide and conquer. Yeah. Well, it's also he's got so much on Ivy, his Ivy, plate. Why don't you take that, Hallie? Why don't you take that? <laughs> I'm going to be in there. Well, he's got like you know, he's also you, you're carrying more more yeah. 
of a burden too. So it's like it can only you can only focus on you, when you're writing. You really got to focus 100. percent You can't be like split. You know. So, I mean, anyway. So we don't go out much. I mean, we're yeah, we're, we don't. <laughs> you know, but we'll put in we'll put in 10 hour days. Yeah, I mean, there. You've got to get it all written up, and there's a lot that goes into every scene. I mean, right. when you're writing the script, you just have the script, and then you have to choreograph how the script's going to play out in real life. Right. Mm-hmm. Then you got to come in and have the camera angles, the lighting. Well, I mean, that's, it's a that's whole. Where he takes over. And before that, then you know you're storyboarding. Yeah. Right? You're storyboarding everything. I mean, a last champion. He he had, you had the storyboards, but then you were, you went up and and pre-shot pre visualization footage yeah. of all of the scenes in the locations with uh, like extras so he could when we would hit the the set he would be able to save that time there was no decision making that wasn't born out of uh just something comes up and you got to change it you know which always happens but you had a plan that was very very specific well so, you're telling you're telling the story through the lenses you know, and we wanted Cole, you know, I wanted him to be, you know, this was a guy who's been hiding from everyone for 20 years and he's got to come back to his hometown and the hometown doesn't like him for what he did and, and brought the embarrassment to the hometown, so on and so forth. And so I wanted to portray him very sort of small in the beginning. So I'm shooting him from a distance. I'm shooting him with wider lenses. He doesn't look that good. But all that prep that we did, <clears throat> that I did prior to doing that, the very first day of shooting, and it was really cold. It was 15 below. You know, Cole wanted a he wanted a beard, his beard first, and then we shave it, right? But the scenes that we had scheduled were like all the stuff in the beard, so we bounced back and forth that first day to four different loca- five different locations. Oh my god five different locations in the film because he goes I want to have a beard I think it's good if I shave the beard in the middle and it was it was a good and it was a great choice but it changed everything I mean it wasn't like we it's not like he showed up on the first day and said that this was this happened a few weeks no no I I sprung I was right with Cole but I sprung it on my producer and said oh by the way we're going to be doing this and they're just like but I had everything I had everything mapped out so we went to those locations we knew we knew where the camera was going to be. We knew the movement, and we were able to just knock it out that first day, kick our butt. But we I did. imagine so. Yeah. And you had to be careful with the actual filming of what scenes. If he's going to shave halfway through, you have to get everything filmed in the beard first. Right. Yeah. And we did that in one day. One day. So okay. Oh my gosh. So crazy. how long, days wise, how long did it take to actually film the movie? I think we were. I think thirty days, thirty-two days. Okay. And is that? I don't. I'm not adapt to the well it's not like if you, the industry is that varies. normal for i mean how long is the film uh, films two hours just okay. under two hours so is that at par with how long it typically takes it's it about depends a, on it's the budget a, of a movie yeah right? it depends okay. on the budget it's a minute per page okay you know but it's how are you going to shoot that <clears throat> there are some guys that say you know over the shoulder over the shoulder master shoot the cat in the window shot you know so you can cut away and do that some guys, you know, and so that's a page or you shoot two or three pages because you're moving fast. TV shoots seven, you know, seven, ten pages a day. Um, Francis will shoot like a paragraph, a paragraph, 
but it's so detailed. But there's money. Yeah. You know, if you have money, David you Fincher can too. get all the behavior, all the really subtle things that you need to make that scene work. Right. So. So then going on the money side of things. Yeah. Y'all are originally headquartered out in L.A., yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then y'all have moved to Louisiana. Yep. What kind of made the shift for part one of the question? And then part two, how has that taken a toll financially from a production side of things? Oh, well, th- part one. Mm. Um, so we were there and always going to be there, like never, never planning to come it, to go anywhere. But every time we would travel anywhere, we would always be like, wow, could you live here? This is cool. Because ne- I'd never lived outside of Southern California. I'd never lived outside of Los Angeles, except for going to drama school. Like, I, like I'd never moved. And, um, and so every time I would go somewhere, even like these small little towns, I'd be like, I could live here. I could do this, you know, but I love L.A. I, I mean, I, I'm homesick all the time. I mean, it's my, it's my home. But um, there's always this part of me that wanted to maybe check out another experience. And, um, but we never acted on it or anything. But when we were, when we were raising money for this movie, um, we had just all of a sudden this random interest from people here. And so we were just sort of visiting and we were like having that conversation. Do you think you could live here? Do you think you could live here? And, uh, I don't know. I don't know. And, um, but it was really cool and different. And I'd never been to the South before and ever. And, um, and then Ivy was uh, shopping in law schools, and um, she happened to be checking out LSU and as one of the options. And I don't know if you know much about LSU law, but it's got a really unique program that's different than any other law school in the country. Yeah, my brother actually graduated yeah. from LSU law. Okay, so yeah, it's got this dual degree, and it's really unique. And, and so she was like, this is interesting. And we're like, you know what, let's move. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so we just, I mean, but we never thought, we, we was really to check it out. You know what I mean? We just, you know, we, we were still back and forth for the first three or four years constantly. And then we finally, you know, got a place. And, and so it was a sort of an inching in and, and um, we got a little attached. Yeah. Right. And then as far as the financial thing, well. Yeah. I mean, uh, the production, moving the production here. The thing is, <clears throat> with what we do, we can be anywhere. Exactly. You know, we've got a couple projects that one's going to take us out of the country, England, Canada. So depending on how much we raise and can get there, we'll set up offices in England and Canada. And if it makes sense with the tax credits and all those things. Probably doing post here too. Bring the post back here, Mm -hmm. but we'll still go back to Los Angeles to do work with Universal in their sound department. So they'll do all the sound and we'll do everything there. So it for me it doesn't really matter where i live it's like it's mobile yeah you it, you got to film on different locations it doesn't necessarily need to right. be in la yeah. but no and i'm you know i'm kind of happy not to be in la right now to be honest with you yeah i'm i'm really okay not to be there right now it's um yeah that's all i have to say on that <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, in, in Louisiana, you've got the film tax credit incentives. Yeah. So having all, like you were saying, how he's like bringing all the posts back here, like it makes sense to right. do that. Absolutely. You know, and it's like Louisiana, We, mm. my parents live off of River Road. And so River Road is always a, an area where people are going out to check for sites and to check for filming because it has that element that fits so many different films where we started having people come to my parents' house saying, can we film here and check it all out? Like, why are people here 
in South Louisiana wanting to film stuff. And it wasn't until I got heavily involved in accounting and became a CPA. I was like, oh, this film tax credit is a big incentive. It's big. Yeah. So within that, is, I mean, is it almost easier for you all to find funding here than it was back in California? I think so. There's so much competition for funding there. I mean, we set up one project here and I got the tax credits and we were going to do it for $8 million. And I got, you know, in tax credit it was like 3 million bucks. Oh yeah. You know, it was, it was cause now I'm a Louisiana based writer. So now I'm in a different bracket because they've got a big fund here and then they've got this other fund for uh, Louisiana, you know, writers and directors and stuff. So it was fantastic, man. And I lost it because we couldn't raise all the funds for it, but I got really close to the Stephen um, Hammer who, who runs that program. So we'll revisit all that um, again. Maybe use them for a different project. Yeah. yeah. So from a... St- standpoint of <coughs> available assets here in the community we've got is it celtic or celtic 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 okay, i thought mm-hmm. it was celtic so celtic studios how has what's been here compared to what's been in california well it's interesting that you mentioned that because we we haven't needed a celtic okay for what we've done so far i mean we might next time but we just we we, we shot it in practical locations in the pacific northwest for last champion but um but it's there. I had to do, I uh, did an American Girl movie that, um, and I went to South Africa to do that. So you, you're everywhere in this business. You know, you're not, you're, you're just, you know, it just takes you all over. Um, and I would have gone from either LA to Cape Town or Louisiana to Cape, you know, it, it, it doesn't really make a difference. But um, I did, did the, go, I did, did the ADR at Celtic. I know I did. No, that's what I'm saying. To South Africa, yeah. Yeah, I um I but I did ADR there, and it was it was empty when I went. I mean, there was no activity there, so it was like, wow, this whole system. Like, let's make a movie. You know, (laughs) know, it's like empty. We we were talking. (laughs) I mean, I don't know if it's empty now, but it was. We were talking about this. Um, They would be really wise. Oh yeah. To recreate the French Quarter on the back lot, make a back lot on their back lot. Okay. I It'd think they would make I think, I think make they a killing. Would, I think they would make a killing because the particular film that we have right now, which is sort of this crime drama thriller, I don't really want to go into New Orleans to shoot that because it's so nuts down there. And I don't want to put anybody in jeopardy. And you know, I've been hearing war stories about people shooting down there and getting carjacked on the way to the set. Shooting <coughs> movies. Shooting shooting movies, filming movies. He said shooting. Okay, okay, okay. I didn't know. Well, I mean, at, at first, no, I mean, it's New Orleans, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think, I thought, you know, think if they could really do a nice back lot, like the French Quarter. Yep. Build a section Baton of the French Rouge Quarter. Would get, they'd get more work, oh my in gosh. my opinion. So on that topic, what are y'all's thoughts and perspective being in the industry of filming on site? Or what you, you call it, organic sites or no, practical loca- locations, practical locations yeah. versus studio filming? What is y'all's take on kind of doing either or? I like I like the real locations. <clears throat> I like the real locations, but now they're coming out with these big, um, you know, LED sets where they go out and film, and you can't tell. I mean, you're shooting in the Arctic and you're shooting in the studio, so there's benefits either way. There's, it's you know, you do the cost analysis of hey, man, we don't have to travel a whole crew up there and to get that. If I'm only shooting this guy coming out of a cabin and we've got the Arctic behind us, 
you know, we don't have to go there and, and, and do that shot. There's pros and cons, but I guess my favorite is location. It's just much more exciting and fun. When you're out in the street and you're out, you know, in the snow and you're doing those things, man, it's... The reality of it. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Yeah, and as, as an actress or an actor, how does that play into you and your role being in a real location versus being in a studio location? Um, well, you kind of get... I guess you get a little bit more, like you feel like you're really there, you know? Um, of course, I've done, <laughs> I did this, there's a scene I do outside in the snow in Last Champion where it was. Um, that was that first day of filming. That was that first day where it was ridiculously cold. Like I don't even, I, and, and everybody's in their, you know, their <laughs> Sorel boots and their, and their, you know, and I, I played a character that didn't put, that much into her cold weather gear. So I was out there with basically little thin little leather boots on. And I, I thought, I, I, mean, I mean, I was slurring my words. If you watch it carefully, I'm like, I can barely get them out. But um, because of my mouth was frozen. But, um, but it was fun because you feel like you're in this world. Um, I also like, I've had so much of my work in life in this business be on a stage because it's television and there's, sets that you have that you're, you know, there's just a controlled environment. I would imagine for, for the production crew, there's so much more predictability that you don't, you don't have all these like weird things you have to stop for or worry about the weather or whatever. So it, so there's that, but as far as, as far as being an actor, it's like, you're always in your imagination anyway. So it just, it's kind of a little heightened thing when you get into the real location yeah. and you're in the real house or, you know, but I don't know. It's, it's either or I like both. I like going to a, I like going to a lot and going to a stage and knowing that's my home for however long, you know, if I'm on a series, it's cool. But yeah, I but it's it, also exciting to go on location, you know, it's right, just fun. You get, you get the added extra elements that you yeah. weren't anticipating. That you it's it's an studio. adventure going on location. Yeah. Yeah. I like, for sure. yeah, I like locations. So from a production standpoint, so for the show, for the, for the Patty G show specifically, this is the first year we're in a studio for 2022. Mm -hmm. So we're in the Fly Focus studio out at the Louisiana Technology Park. And last year we were out at Uncle Earl's on site. So we didn't have a studio. So oh, okay. they were having to set up and take down everything oh, yeah. for every episode. Right. So I'm curious, Glenn, from a production standpoint, right. what are the logistical challenges and nightmares and headaches you kind of have to go through when doing something on site versus in studio where – you fl I mean, we flip the switches here in Falaya and we're yeah, ready to roll. On. Right. Well, <clears throat> if you're on a location and you're going to be there for a few days, yeah, I'm, I'm doing that inside. <laughs> 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 Sorry, folks. Um, you know, hopefully you've, you've set up in your location. You and you can leave there. it there. Yeah, you can maybe be three or four days and you can leave the lights and you can leave and you go back on and change uh, if you're outside and have to break down, I mean, it's a hassle. Not for me. I mean, the, the <laughs> camera guys. <laughs> right. and, From a budgetary standpoint, then, I mean, you've got to have a crew out there to set up and take down. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, they have to. They have to cut well, out kind early of, you, to you know, you make factor sure all that in. You factor all that in to the sheet, and you know, you're breaking at a certain time. You're still leaving the location because you want to stay away from overtime. That's the thing. Is like stay away from the overtime. Wrap it up, get it there, and uh, put it back in the truck. Uh, so, I think that's probably m more my uh, my line producer 
You know, I let him have that headache and worry about that. I just kind of, you know, watch over like the, the big amount of money, how much are we, you know, doing for that. And sometimes I'll have to say, he'll go, look, man, we can't, we can't, we're, we're going over. We can't, we got to be off this location. I go, we're going to do it one more day. So ultimately I can have the final say. And then I go, oh, now I got to make that up. Money up say, somewhere. How, how do you do, how do you handle that situation? I got to make it up an overage. But that's a puzzle. I mean, yeah. it's fun too, figuring out all that stuff. Yeah, well, maybe you're not shooting or maybe you go, Hallie, we have to cut your scene. <laughs> no, you don't do that. You never do that. Just kidding. But you know, when you get really wonderful actors also, you're like Cole. I mean, he's like two takes and you're done. And Hallie's pretty good with that. Although I protect her a little bit more. Say, you want to do it again? Or she'll say, hey, can we do that again? And she has the luxury because she's one of the producers. <laughs> Right, she she can say, "Oh no, we're gonna run run it back." Yeah, one more I need, time. Um, no, yeah, that's <laughs> not happening. Let I'm me doing see it the again. playback. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. she's great. She's wonderful. Great to work with. Um, Thank you. And you know, wonderful writer, and really wonderful in the editing room also. Yeah, picking out you know certain behavior and subtext because that's what I like to shoot. I like to shoot the subtext of a scene. You know what's going on underneath that thing and. Uh, but the budget stuff, I just, I'll go out and raise the money and get all the legal stuff and get everything set up and then let somebody else do the stressing on that because I have enough on my plate. Right. Yeah. You, you can figure out the I budget. mean, I've been in some arguments. They'll argue with, you know, they'll say, what are you doing, man? Shut up, I'm the boss. No, um, but, you know, we get there. We get there. It all, it all washes out, actually. Unless you're really stupid and you're not prepared. It's real, yeah. filmmaking is about being prepared. That's where the money gets wasted. You gotta have yeah. a war plan, you have to have a, a game plan, and that's what you follow. Yeah, it's how prepared are you for shooting that scene of that day? Yeah. You gotta know, like you said, if it takes him two takes, great. Oh. Two takes is gonna be this long, we're gonna pack it up at this time and be at the next scene right. as soon as we can. Right. So right. it's coming down to planning out the day by hour, by half hour, and making sure everybody knows when we're supposed to be where. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and if, if you've got a really good team, you got somebody who's running that, they're, they're pretty oiled and well-oiled into to knocking that out and getting it done and getting the next location set up. The hardest part is when you're on a location like that in a remote type of area on both our films. Um, the first film was on a houseboat in the middle of, you know, nowhere. Nowhere. In the middle of <clears throat> In the middle nowhere. of Idaho, traveling by houseboat. And that was like, how are we going to eat? You know, we gotta that that was a you tough bring in the food and everything. Yeah, you do, but you can't you're in a town, it was a little town called St. Mary's, and it man, it was in the middle of Idaho. And in the panhandle of right? And yes. the food was just, I thought there was gonna be a mutiny. You, know, you have to you have to keep the well. The crew. We learned a lot on that movie. Yeah, you have to keep the food the food coming in. We it's also have be to hot. you have to trust the person who's bringing the food. Yeah, that was. And we had no trust on that yeah, one. We had we, we had to we had to make a couple phone calls and go. Uh, you have to come take over for this person who's not. Yeah, but you know, even up in Washington, we were. Um, Brian had and you know, then we got hit with a, a seventeen-year snowstorm. I mean, it was a whiteout. So trying to get communication, 
from our hotel to where we were shooting. Uh, it was, it was. To the caterers. It was, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare. But I had worked with, you know, working with Francis, it's like, like on The Outsiders, that big fight scene in The Outsiders where there's, you know, a bonfire. And uh, we shot that for, oh, I think four nights of, you know, they brought in the rain, rain machines. And we were, you know, I had seven different wardrobes changes, but they were all the same wardrobe. But you're used to working like that. And it's, I don't see that same kind of commitment, you know, when I was working with some of the younger actors. They didn't have that same type of, they did for the wrestling and that, but they didn't have that same, I felt, grittiness to get in there and get it done, you know, like, in my opinion. Well, yeah, but it, 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 you, well, you I'm, figured I'm out a way to get them there. Yeah, the fight the, when the like, camera needed it to be there. Oh yeah, yeah the fights. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm just talking. initially resisting, resisting, getting a little uncomfortable. I think well, that's what you falling thought. down in the snow. Yeah. I mean, I had this fight scene. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a really good fight scene. It's like you know, real. If somebody gets jumped, like in high school, you know, that right. happens like that. But these guys didn't want to. You know, the stunt coordinator had really frightened them enough to say, "Well, there's ice here, and you got to do this." and I got rid of the stunt guy. Go get out of the way because I'd done enough fight scenes. It looked say, really fake. It didn't look. It was like John Wayne. You know, it was like yeah, yeah. Like they they punch and the head goes the opposite yeah. way. Oh wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. This way. Yeah. No man, you have to really get in. You got to fall down in the snow. You're not going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, at the end, we just it it was it's a beautiful. I think it's a great it fight. It turned out. Re- yeah, he beautiful. he went in and restaged it after so, the yeah. Do you think it's just maybe like they don't have the experience doing? active scenes such as that or is it kind of I think that's part of it is it maybe like a whole shift in the industry as a whole from the young actors coming in not wanting to do all that much into the production you got a little bit of sam peckinpah kind of thing with with this guy a little bit not 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 crazy but like it's got to be real it's, it's got to be done real. it's yeah. got to be you know it's got to be authentic uh but i think you do have some of that i think you do have some of that and uh the shift Right. Towards that, I mean, um, it's, it's different. It's it just different. takes a certain. It takes a certain amount of risk. And they I love mean, doing. I mean, it. they love reasonable doing risk, it. not right. like dumb risk. To to see something really dynamic, you know what I mean? I mean, you're don't wouldn't you say? Well, they love doing it. They love they love um, when you when you can introduce them. Is that going to be like a big? I know you're good. Oh, you're it's going to be a big. It's it's once they really experience it. You know, and they're not, it's not faking and they're not worried about getting hurt or any of that stuff. Then, you know, the actor comes out and then the actor wants to perform and really do it. And that's what happened with these guys. The stunt guy had them just like freaked out. And no, you got to do it this way. And it just didn't look real. Didn't look like a high school fight. Right. I mean, when it's over in like minutes. And everybody was safe. You know, there was no, nobody was in danger of anything. It just was just being a little bit. But it was cold. It was, it was cold. cold. The crew, our, our camera was freezing up. The lenses were freezing up. The the motion in the camera was They had to take a blow dryer up. to it to thaw it out. Yeah, to get the oh lens gosh. moving. It was cold. Should have filmed in Louisiana. We never see anything like yeah. that. <laughs> we actually did film some. We filmed one scene yeah, in the Louisiana. movie. Yeah. Okay, in Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, we, we had a pickup. Yeah. We had to do a pickup shot where Hallie, she leaves uh, the character, and we go, oh, we don't, we don't have that shot. So I got a hold of a guy who has all these classic cars in the industry who supplies them for everybody in Louisiana. 
he came, put it up on a trailer. We put Hallie, you know, I, I hired a small crew here. And, you know, it. she had all this winter gear on. She was like... Oh, miserable, I'm sure. It was, yeah. and it was. there was no AC because it was an old car. It was like just riding on a thing, so it wasn't even going, right? Oh, my gosh, it was... So we had laying snow. I was like cause... dripping sweat, and um, yeah. I mean dripping sweat. You can't tell, though. Was, no, and then they... They really painted magic. all the green yeah. out and made it white, and it looks like a, it was shot in a snowy on a snowy road. Yeah, yeah. That's that always fascinates me the after effects mm-hmm. yeah. that go into film. Yeah, and everything that it takes to get what we end up seeing on the right. screen. You know, they like you said they've they've come a long way with technology to the LED walls where they can actually put up the whole cityscapes now. Whereas beforehand, the actors and actresses were dealing with green screens mm-hmm. and little dots on their faces and everything, mm-hmm. and now it's becoming a little bit more real and a little bit more achievable so they can get into set and not have to, again, live in your imagination the whole time you're filming. Yeah. Of, oh, what is this scene going to look like? And their head. Yeah, I mean, I've never had to do any green screen ever. And I, I always, you know, my my respect to actors who sell it on a green screen. I mean, that's it it's takes tough. incredible focus. Yeah. 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 So you don't you don't know what it's going to look like till you go back behind the camera. OK, what's that? Right. What's that going to pick up and be like? Yeah, I'm so, glad I don't have to that I I didn't I don't have to do that anymore or even attempt that. It just seems to me so difficult, and I really respect the actors that can get out there and you know. But it's it's like anything else, right? You practice, they know, you know, they're they're comfortable. The the Avenger guys, they're all you know, they're comfortable working that way mm-hmm. now, so they know how it's going to be played out, and you adjust. Yeah, you figure out a way to make sure that you can enact what needs to happen as sure. the character. Right. Because right. if not, it's it comes across very easy when somebody is not in full character. Like, oh, I, don't <laughs> I don't think they're giving their all in that, yeah. in that no, take right it's there. it's obvious, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, it also, so also comes down to budget, too. I mean, if you've got the ability to have a lot of stuff added in after the fact, right. the filming on the front end is a whole lot quicker than the after effect. Right. That's right. why I, th- I, I don't think, you know, when <clears throat> I'm, I'm talking to... Um, investors understanding the concept of investing in films that it's it's just one arrow you know in your bag for investing it's not you don't you don't bank your whole you know life savings into it it's just a uh, it's just another means to maybe to have income coming in and I try to and and I don't think they understand how, you know, expensive it is. You know, I mean, people will spend 30, 40, 50 million dollars going out and trying to strike it rich on a well. Entertainment, man, I mean, you have to have that type of money and, you know, you have this residual income coming in, but you have to be able to play really big. You know, you can only do smaller films for so long. People are wanting, they're wanting bigger things. So we're going up in our budgets, which is nice. It's and exciting. It's exciting and, you know, It's fun writing it too, because you're like, oh, why can't they go here, you know, or why can't there be more people in this room? Yeah, unless you You know, just Budapest. like the smallest things you wouldn't think of, you know? Unless you're yeah. in Budapest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that is, on the, on the explaining side of things when you're raising this capital, the model of traditional film revenue has kind of shifted, I feel like, since COVID, right? So since the theaters had to shut down, you can't have those big 
premieres, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're starting to get back at that. But a lot of people were started selling to streaming services, yeah, which is kind of what y'all did with The Last Champion. Yeah, we, we were forced to because we, we had a deal set up with Roadside Attraction, and then COVID hit. So we had to do a 180, and I just took it over, you know, and made the deal with some aggregators and, and got the film out. And, you know, we're heading towards 10,000. You know, what is that thing on Amazon? What is that? Well, you know, when you when you rating it. rate something. So we have we've almost 10,000 people who have rated it. So we don't know what that means as so far as what's that percentage. I never rate anything. Do you ever right. rate anything? I, I do. You do. do. I, I, oh, I'm, a, I'm a rater, okay. I guess. I've never rated. I don't, and nobody I know rates except for you. You're my first person. I've but it's, <laughs> it's, if I had to put a number to it, I would say it's less than 3%, less than 2% of viewers will actually take the time to go rate something. So right. at least like what I do for the show is kind of okay. Based on how many listeners we have, how many ratings we have, let's take a percentage of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, we're below, you know, 5%. You know, if you've got people that have a higher rating, then they've got a very, very engaged and they're probably telling a lot of people to go rate it. But if you're just having people watch it and then, then once they feel so compelled to rate mm-hmm. it, then that's what you're getting yeah. at that rate. So it's and we're like, almost at 10,000 on that. So we're competing, okay. Sorry, was that we're competing really, you know, right up there with studio films. Yeah. And so now we're selling Europe and we've done very well. I mean, so, and, and it's showing well and, and I think that's what's leading us to, you know, really say, look, we can, if you give us more money, we can make, and how about giving us, you know, money for three to five films, you know, so you have this, so you're not betting the farm on just one film, you're spreading the risk out. Right. And there are people who are interested in that model. It's all about where you look for them and who you can get on as an investor as to what they're going to put their money into. Right. Because if they believe, you know, it's always, especially in, business investing, whether it's in the entertainment industry or whatever industry it is, they're betting on the jockey That's nine right. times out of 10. That's right. That's absolutely so right. if you can find somebody who believes in you as a writer, as a producer, right. they know, oh, let's do three movies. One or two may strike out, but I know you're going to hit one of them. And that's, and that's why having that, and they can watch it and look at it, and because all these guys that I'm dealing with right now, they've all seen and they all love it. Yeah. So... Um, a whole lot easier to sell something that you've done before and you yeah. can show yeah oh yeah here's my huge. work right yeah you know and that's why in in louisiana and like what i'm doing with the show is when we were hiring interns i'm saying you can go and tell people what you've done with the show and show them the actual content you've made if you want to pursue marketing you can it's blatantly it's it's all right there across the social right. media if you do a good job right they'll see it if you do a bad job they'll also see it you know <laughs> yeah. so use this as your portfolio of business that you can go and take to either get more investors or get another job down the line, whatever you want to do. But understanding that what you put out there has value, even if you may not make a lot of sales initially, it's for that next sale of what people can go back and look and see what you've already done. Yeah, exactly. And you do this really well, by the way. You do. It's very comfortable and because I'm always uptight doing this stuff, like I stated to you, but you make it really easy. So y'all are also in town, you'll have a premiere coming up. Where is that premiere coming up? We have, it's at the Manship uh, Theater. Okay. On um, October 26th at 7.30. 7.30, okay. Yeah. Doors yeah. open at 6.30. So. Yeah, and there's a Q&A with um, our team afterwards. And uh, it's a beautiful venue. I love that place. I, I've, I was um, working for a couple days down there this summer um, like as a guest uh, 
teacher for their their film camp for the kids, and um, which is was Allie's a, gasp. a great acting teacher, by the way. Thank you. She's great. She does a lot of privates. Um, yeah, she's been, I've private coached for a long time, and it's something I love to do. But I loved I I I I just I get a real kick out of working with with young people, and yeah. um, I mean I'll coach grown ups too, but I mean I just like yeah, <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, but it's a great space, so I'm excited to see the movie down there and and have everybody, you know, be able to appreciate it on the big screen, right? Wonderful. Yes, a lot of her students are working, um, so that's rewarding. Right. When you see these kids come in, and you know, we we did it in L.A. and just had a ball because the energy that they bring in. Like, oh, I'm sure it's huge. You know, yeah. it's like it's it's what's going on in the town. You really know, really rewarding because, entertainment place. Yeah. Really rewarding. Yeah. So y'all have done a lot of different things in this industry. And as we start to kind of wrap up and wind down the show, we have a set list of questions we like to ask every guest. Yeah. Okay. So y'all have been from everything from behind the camera to in front of the camera to now teaching people how to go in front and behind the camera, I'm sure, whether it's being a mentor or teaching and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That's right. So what lesson, what three lessons have y'all kind of learned along the way within y'all's career just from doing everything that y'all been involved with? I would say, For me, well, you wanna go first? I'll just go first. Okay. I can get it out of the way. Yeah, cause I- I, I say apologize. never give up. You chart your plan, you chart your dream, and you stick with it if you, if you believe in it enough to keep your vision intact. And, and don't let anybody kind of sway you either way because in California, in Hollywood, man, there's a lot of dream crushers out there and you have to just stay with it. I mean, it's much like if you're building a business and they go, you can't do this, you have to stay with it. That's one for me. And I think um, passing the baton is really rewarding, you know, being sort of a mentor. And I think that's what yours, how. I would say just be true to yourself, you know, and um, and it's easy in this industry to get focused on what you think people want you to be and um, that maybe they want, you want to be like somebody else you think is making it or successful, so you want to mold yourself into this other thing that's not really coming from you, but the thing that's going to be the most interesting about you is you, and nobody else can be you. You're the only one who can be you, and I think that that is... I mean, that's not, that's not to discount character actors doing characters, but all the best character actors keep their own self right in there, in their performance. They may disguise it, but they're alive and well and living out the, the, um, the part. Right. And, um, and so I think that you find, find what you do well and embrace it, you know, and not try to be somebody that you're not. But that's with everything. But that's with everything. But acting, right. it's so obvious. If you're acting and you're, and you're not comfortable with yourself or you're not wanting to reveal, you kind of have to be a little bit of a, an emotional exhibitionist to be an actor, wouldn't you say? So I think just to be true to yourself and also to, to study. And I don't mean because I'm a teacher. I mean because I think that you're competing against people who have and you want to be able to arm yourself with as much ammunition as possible in a game that's really, really competitive. So to not, to not 
you know, with all the YouTube and the TikToks and the, all that stuff, I think there's a lot of people who are sort of falling into acting without the the expertise. And we don't want that expertise to die out. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. it's a precious, you know, art. And so I'm, you know, a proponent of, you know, taking it seriously, you know, and, and giving yourself the respect of taking it seriously. If you're going to do it, you know, don't, don't be, and don't be frustrated early on because you can't give up because you're going to hear no, 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 no. A lot, you know? And I say, if you're pursuing the, the visual side of it or whatever, just learn as much as you can take all the classes, yeah. pick up a camera, start shooting. There's so many, you know, festivals and shorts out there now that if you really, if you really want to do that, it's just whatever's going to make you happy, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So what is something y'all did as a kid you wish you could still do today? That's interesting. Um, <laughs> geez, as a kid. It's so funny because I like I, sled riding. Okay. That's something you don't hear in yeah. South Louisiana. Yeah, I like sled riding, and I don't think I can do that too much nowadays. So, <laughs> I don't know. I won't. I don't know. I think you know. I. I. This sounds corny, but what we do, really, is like pretending and and being in our imagination with the creative work we do. That is something that. I'm glad I didn't have to give up growing up. You know what I mean? Like I'm doing it as a grown up. Yeah, we're which getting is, paid. Which is like, now. Paid yeah. there, yes. it's like, okay, now we're going to put our army hats on and cowboy yeah. hats. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't have a ready question. I don't have a ready yeah, answer. Yeah, because the reality is it, you it's know. It's like you're still living your childhood in dream your every single day. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so if you could do something you did as a kid, it's just keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Which exactly. you're on the path to accomplish. I think that. maybe there's this part of it's like you just want to do nothing sometimes. Like kids can just do nothing. And I think that just that luxury feels like it's it's not in reach. Yeah. But um but I love what I do. You know, I love working. We we I mean, seriously, we get up really early in the morning and we have to force ourselves, force ourselves not to start talking about our work at six o'clock in the morning. I mean, we have to force ourselves five thirty in the morning. Right. It's like we have to go. Nope. Nope. Let's hold off on that. It's because it's what interests us, too. But right. there's also you don't yeah. want to be all consuming. No, no, because that's not healthy. But <laughs> it is the way we live anyway. But um, and then what I wanted to say also about the last champion is that um, you were saying about the local um, thing. We did the post here, except for the final re-record, which we did at Universal Studios in Los Angeles. But David Torns, who oh, yeah. is one of the conductors with with the Baton Rouge Symphony, he conducted the score for the last champion. We did it down in New Orleans with a bunch of Baton Rouge and, and New Orleans, Louisiana. And I a think 60 a 60 piece orchestra. A 60 piece orchestra That's at impressive. Esplanade um, Studios es Esplanade down. Studios and, and it was beautiful. And he, Casimir Boyle is the name of our composer. He composed this beautiful score. I'm really, really proud of our score. And and David Torns conducted it. It's really something to hear. It, it's we so we put some people we got to really work. lucky with the artistry. Yeah, absolutely. We put some people to work. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So, y'all made the the move from California to Louisiana. Yeah, yeah, Baton Rouge. So, what is something you love about Baton Rouge? 
I, we heard that you don't like to hear the food and the people. <laughs> but here's the thing. <laughs> yeah. We were warned yes. that you don't like to hear that. But. I just, look, I like to hear whatever the open on and honest answer, okay. answer is. So like going back to what we've talked about all through the show is being authentic and true to yourself. Yeah. If that's your authentic, true answer, absolutely. Okay, but I have to tell you something. Okay. I grew up, sorry, my dad, my stepfather, I grew up with football going on the television. It was on the television. They both watched it. I never had a feeling. It was just a bunch of people falling on each other, like running and falling on each other. Like I just didn't get it. It just seemed like it wasn't like I had an aversion to it. I just didn't care about it. It was not on my plate. I didn't want to know about it. No interest. White noise. All my life. I move here. Go Tigers. Go Tigers. <laughs> I mean, to the point where it was, it was like the bug bit so badly and I, to the point where we were out in LA and I was alone. I think you were up in Washington we in doing room, the yeah. thing. I was at a hotel back home and the game was on and I don't remember which game it was, but it was an LSU playing whoever they were. And I was alone in the room on my feet, screaming at the television set. That was, that was when Burrow, that season. Oh, 2019. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it was. Yeah, I think it was. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was, and yeah, so we've we've gotten we love it, we love it. Although we've never we've been to a couple games. Mm -hmm. I like uh, never been tailgating. Yeah, we've never. Oh, never come on now. Nobody's no, ever invited we've us. Never been invited. We've never been invited to a tailgate. <laughs> you just you just go. You just make friends as you as you're here. Yeah, but you can't eat their food. You're not invited to their tailgates. Right? Uh, I promise you, if you make friends with some people, they're going to invite you in for some food and some drinks. Yeah, we got to hit our friends up. Like, what's the deal? You. Like, come on. Or you, there are some tailgates you pay, and you can go in and have some food and drinks. Oh, okay. So you just just come to campus on game day. Bring a little ice chest, a little backpack ice chest with you for your drinks. And just walk around and introduce yourself and meet people. I promise you, you'll have a oh, time really? of your life. Because that was our discussion going, I don't think we can hit these people up for food. Well, yeah, you, we were you like, don't walk in and say, hey, can I have some food? I'm here. But I mean, just, yeah, I mean, just walk in and well, introduce yourself. I didn't know yourself. how it worked. Be, you know, but it's like private parties, right? It's like a bunch of private parties. Don't go through but fences. We have been invited. We, you know, Michelle invited. Oh, that's right. That's right. Sorry. We, we just, go. Yeah. just go make friends on campus. Have a look. We've been invited. So that, we like that. And uh, uh, we're nice people. I'm not sure. <laughs> What the deal is, I think people maybe think we don't we don't want to go or we're not interested in going. But I would absolutely go if it's not hot. I like to go later in the season when it's so like right now, like the next yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah. for the Alabama yeah. game. Oh, oh man, yeah, it's in two weeks. I know, I know. I'm telling you, just go out there, make some friends with people, right. and you'll have a good time. Okay, yeah. promise you. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> so for the final question, yeah. what can I do to help you? Uh, well, I'm always looking for investors, Patrick. <laughs> we'll talk. We'll talk after. Okay. <laughs> I just I, I want people. I think giving us giving us yeah. This an is a lovely opportunity to what, share about the movie. Yeah, the movie is nice. because we didn't really say it's a it's a family sports drama. It's got a strong message of redemption and forgiveness, and it's it's not like a heavily. Uh, hammered faith message but there is a you know a redemptive um through line in it and it's it's really really i'm very proud of it i think he did a marvelous job directing it cole hauser from yellowstone is amazing in it and the other actors um do wonderful work and and it's it's just a 
a, an uplifting um, kind of feel good movie. It's very poignant. It's got and, a Rudy um, Hoosiers. Yeah, and I so vibe. people, it's it's on if they can't come to the screen. It's on it's, Amazon. It's on Amazon. It's on other things too. I never yeah. remember, but it's on Amazon. And um, um, and I'm I'm really you know, and it's it's got a Christmas sort of pass through the season because wrestling season happens during that time of year. So there's a it's a good Christmas present. There you want go. to get good it Christmas for, movie. Christmas. Oh, it's a good Christmas yeah. movie. Yeah. Oh, perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Coming into that season of the year, yeah. so yeah. it's excellent. And we're gonna we're gonna link the show's Amazon link to the show notes of this. Oh, wonderful. So people will be able to click on it and go find out oh, where to watch the movie. So we'll make it very easy for those who are interested. Oh, great! In Thank watching you. the film. Uh, so any last parting words to oh, people? Oh, if I if I guess I should say that if if um, people are. There'll people be some, are, yes. <laughs> if people are interested in coaching with me, they can just go to my website, which is HallieTodd.com. It's not a complicated name. <laughs> HallieTodd.com. We'll Hallie link Todd. that, too, in the show okay. notes as well. Cool. We've got 4,000 characters. We can fit it all in there. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all so very much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time. Thanks for inviting us. Appreciate your willingness. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a gas. Y'all have an amazing story of how y'all have gotten to where y'all are, and the film is is on my list. I don't watch a lot of TV and movie, okay. as people know, but like you're on the list. You'll like you've, you've made the list of films oh, to thank reach. You. So, <laughs> thank you. Thank you all. Well, I'm sorry you can't come uh, on the 20, whenever it is. 26, 26 right? 26. Yeah. yeah. Well, for those that are watching, if you're watching this on the 26th when the show comes out, be sure to go check out the Baton Rouge. The Manship. Manship, Manship Theater. Theater. They That's can walk it, up and come on in. Walk up, they can buy tickets at the door and all yep. that. Yeah, and, yeah, all, the, and all, all the proceeds go to the theater's right. arts reach. Uh, yeah, we're giving all proceeds oh, to the excellent. theater. Yeah. yeah, excellent. So yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna push it before it even comes out, so people can actually go and watch the film with you all tomorrow night. That's great. Theater. That would be so great. That's gonna be a lot of fun. And for those that are interested in getting into the film industry or the or the entertainment industry, be sure to reach out to them. Check out Hallie's website if you're interested in getting maybe taught or coached or just maybe want to be an extra on one of their sets mm -hmm. that they film here, reach out to them. Let them know you heard about them from the Patty G Show, and they're going to do what they can to get you in this industry. So thank you all so very much for listening to the latest episode of the Patty G Show, and thank you once again to the amazing sponsors that make this show possible each and every week. Hear a little bit more about them right now. So you're home for a $399 flat fee with Falaya. No, seriously. Falaya will list your home on the MLS and help you get all the way to the closing table for as little as a $3.99 flat fee. Our online platform is insanely easy to use and will save you thousands. If you're thinking about selling your home in 2022 and want to keep more of your hard-earned equity in your pocket, you need to check out Falaya. Falaya, real estate reimagined. Thank you all so very much for listening to this episode of the Patty G Show brought to you by Government Taco. They're located on the corner of Government Street and Jefferson Highway. Jay is always slinging up a new taco of the month. So if you're a frequenter to Government Taco, let us know in the comments what you thought about this month's taco of the month. If you're not a frequenter, maybe trying out this month's taco might just convert you. Big thanks over to them at Government Taco for making the Patty G Show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away, it's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. 
But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left. But the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. Listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear how they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life, shopping for a car. They're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreaux, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out, our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center, and tell them Patty G sent you. Thank you so very much to Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, the latest Patty G Show sponsor. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers is serving up hand-battered, cooked-to-order chicken fingers, crispy, crinkle-cut fries, buttery Texas toast, fresh coleslaw, and mouth-watering cane sauce. So y'all stop by for meetups and wind-downs, lunch breaks and dinner fixes, pre-games and after-parties, or whenever your chicken finger cravings hit, I know my chicken finger cravings are hitting right now. Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers, one love.